Welcome to Curious Psalms, a podcast where we practice reading and praying this wonderful prayer book of God's people. I'm your host, Matt, and joining me today in the studio, back for a brief visit, is the good Reverend Q Han. In this episode, we talked about a lengthier psalm. We talked about repeated images. We talked about a couple of verses that kind of almost stand on their own as David is reminding himself of his own folly and of God's salvation. We talked about the ways that this psalm can help us pray and so much more. It was so good to get to talk about a psalm again with Q. I'm sure you're going to enjoy hearing him as well. To get us started, here's Q reading Psalm 69. Save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in the miry depths where there is no foothold. I have come into the deep waters, the floods engulf me. I am worn out calling for help. My throat is parched. My eyes fail looking for my God. Those who hate me without reason outnumber the hairs of my head. Many are my enemies without cause, those who seek to destroy me. I am forced to restore what I did not steal. You, God, know my folly. My guilt is not hidden from you. Lord, the Lord Almighty, may those who hope in you not be disgraced because of me. God of Israel, may those who seek you not be put to shame because of me. For I endure, scorn for your sake, and shame covers my face. I am a foreigner to my own family, a stranger to my own mother's children. For zeal for your house consumes me, and the insults of those who insult you fall on me. When I weep and fast, I must endure scorn. When I put on sackcloth, people make sport of me. Those who sit at the gate mock me, and I am the song of the drunkards. But I pray to you, Lord, in the time of your favor, in your great love, O God, answer me with your sure salvation. Rescue me from the mire, do not let me sink. Deliver me from those who hate me from the deep waters. Do not let the floodwaters engulf me, or the depths swallow me up, or the pit close its mouth over me. Answer me, Lord, out of the goodness of your love. In your great mercy, turn to me. Do not hide your face from your servant. Answer me quickly, for I am in trouble. Come near and rescue me. Deliver me because of my foes. You know how I am scorned, disgraced, and shamed. All my enemies are before you. Scorn has broken my heart and has left me helpless. I looked for sympathy, but there was none. For comforters, but I found none. They put gall in my food and gave me vinegar for my thirst. May the table set before them become a snare, may it become retribution and a trap. May their eyes be darkened so they cannot see and their backs be bent forever. Pour out your wrath on them. Let your fierce anger overtake them. May their place be deserted. Let there be no one to dwell in their tents for they persecute those who wound and talk about the pain of those you hurt. Charge them with crime upon crime Do not let them share in your salvation. May they be blotted out of the book of life and not be listed with the righteous. But as for me, afflicted and in pain, may your salvation, God, protect me. I will praise God's name in a song and glorify him with thanksgiving. This will please the Lord more than an ox, more than a bull with its horns and hooves. The poor will see and be glad. You who seek God, may your hearts live. The Lord hears the needy and does not despise his captive people. Let heaven and earth praise him, the seas and all that move in them. 
for God will save Zion and rebuild the cities of Judah. Then people will settle there and possess it. The children of his servants will inherit it, and those who love his name will dwell there. Q, welcome back. It's very good to be good to be back, my friend. It feels very surreal sitting across the table from you very here true. in the studio. Very true. At the same time, it kind of feels like you never left. Yep. I mean, so. that's how it felt in some sense on Sunday. Yeah. But at the same time, like a part of it's like I'm still kind of dreaming. Right. Like, coming right, back right. from the, the long eight month of deployment life. Well, I'm sure this conversation for our listeners is just going to be a dream. It's just one, just a dream conversation. It's like, you know, the Inception stuff. (laughs) Well, let's dive right in. Let's go with our first question. What's the full dive? What stood out to you in reading the psalm? The psalm, I mean, really many different things, but I think the standalone verse, which is verse five, um, how the prayer kind of, he opens the prayer. David opens the prayer with like an initial like lament, you know. Uh Uh-huh. And then I just found it very interesting how he transitions from verse four and verse four, you know, pretty much ends with him saying, I am forced to restore what I did not steal. Talking about like him being mocked and attacked by, you know, a lot of enemies around him. And then in verse five, he says, you, God, know my folly, my foolishness, my guilt is not hidden from you. Mm -hmm. So I kind of hear that, you know, I've interpreted that as, you know, like, I know of my sins and I know that you know of my sins, God. So, like, I am a sinner. All of a sudden, in verse 5, he confesses that. And yet, at the same time, what I'm experiencing right now, I am forced to restore what I did not steal. Like, it's almost like the persecution itself is not what I deserve, you know? Mm, yeah. And as the psalm progresses, I just found it very interesting how David, like, the reason for him being persecuted is pretty much these people are mocking him for seeking God in his ways, right? right? Insulting him for looking for God's ways and trying to live God's ways. So it's really these people mocking and persecuting God and they are persecuting David. But I think just the, the full weight of like the sin of the world, so to speak, like as we hmm. talk in biblical terms, like people whose heart is so far removed from God's. And and the crazier thing is that obviously there are Christians around the world who are being persecuted in more intense ways and in real ways. But for us in our own you know country too, I think there are times when we are wronged or when we are mocked or ridiculed for our lifestyles or you know our attempts to live God's ways and to seek God's ways. And the fact that like we are participating actually in God's persecution and God's suffering, as we talk about in the church, I think just that stands out and that was fascinating. Yeah. And that verse five too is, it seems going to what you're saying, almost like a little bit random. Yeah. Right? That's what, that's why initially it really stood out to me. It kind of grabbed you. It's like odd. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Why why are you all of a sudden confessing your sin? You know? And I think, I think you're right. And maybe just to add, add a layer, there's also that kind of confession is a, is a humble move, Mm. right? There's a reminder in that confession, I think, that David is not so far from the persecutors. In other words, his persecution might be unwarranted, right? but also I know I too can be the fool. Yeah, I like that because he, yeah, right. (laughs) He's aware, fully aware of his sins. And so let me go on with this like prayer of, you know, Curses upon these people. Yeah, 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 later on, right. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. He really unleashes on them later in the latter part of the psalm. 
Yeah, that's really good. I mean, the psalm ha- does have a lot of movement. I loved how you drew us to that. I was interested in just the ways that the waters are imaged. Mm-hmm. Again, kind of going to things that stood out to you. Right. So you have early on this these deep waters. I've come into the deep waters. The floods engulf me. That's part of kind of this really poetic early verses. But then you have the waters show up again in verse 14 and 15. Don't let the flood waters engulf me. Rescue me from the mire. Do not let me sink. But then at the very end, you have in verse 34, let heaven and earth praise him, the seas and all that wow. move in them. Yeah. So the very, in other words, the imagery shifts from the various kind of source mm-hmm. of what is overwhelming to even the, even the overwhelming ocean, the overwhelming seas, the overwhelming waters, the flood waters. Yep will bow down and worship God. And just that shift by the end of the psalm, that there's a journey to get there, mm. but it's there nonetheless. And one other thing, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to steal this from one of the commentators I read frequently on the psalms is Derek Kidner. But he points out how, how often this psalm is picked up by the New Testament as well and quoted especially sure. in the Gospels yep. and that some of the imagery is present there. And you have this sense of when Jesus in John chapter 2 drives out sort of the money changers from the temple. John quotes verse 9 here, zeal for your house consumes me. Romans 15 talks about Jesus in terms of those who hate me without reason from verse 4. And then on the cross, in Matthew's gospel, doesn't explicitly quote this, but gall and vinegar are what are given to Jesus. So you have this really robust kind of messianic imagery that the New Testament is reading in this psalm. But then one of the things that Kidner pointed out, again, giving credit and not taking this as my own, is that in this psalm, David experiences the persecution and his response is to curse them mm. and to pray mm. against them. Yep. And then what the New Testament does is it right. sees this in Jesus' own life, but his response on the cross to the ultimate persecution right. is in fact to say, Father, forgive them. Right. And the ways that in fact, having this psalm in mind and having the reality of our human response in right. mind highlights ever, even more the significance of what Jesus does and has that, done. That is really beautiful. What was the, the commentator's name again? Matt Timms? <laughs> no, not Matt Timms. That's Derek Kidner. <laughs> he, he has really wonderful commentaries on yeah, the, that's awesome. on the psalms. <clears throat> but yeah, the, sometimes right, helping scripture speak across kind of the yep. different books really enriches it as well. I mean, that starts maybe to get a little bit into our second question of what we learn about God, but I'm going to toss it to you. What do we learn about God or how do we encounter God in this psalm? I mean, I guess this is kind of another thing that stood out to me, right? And then that kind of really deep sense of loneliness and pain that David is experiencing where he talks about like he was looking for help, but he wasn't able to find any. He was looking for sympathy, but there was none. And so he's crying out to God. Yeah. And just the fact that when we experience similar things like that, when we are wrong, when we are attacked by enemies of our lives, in our culture, in our world, Mm -hmm. that God can be silent. But at the same time, because I mean, as I was reading this particular psalm, I was almost waiting, not necessarily to hear like the words of God coming from God, you know, but at the same time, like, David sharing what he's heard from God, so to speak, because there's so much pain and so much kind of anger and all these things. Hmm. And yet there wasn't any. So which made me kind of think about our reality where oftentimes when we are wrong, there are you know, times when we don't necessarily hear anything from God immediately, that he stays silent. But at the same time, I think the key is that 
his silence doesn't mean that he doesn't know what we're going through or he doesn't know what he's doing in terms of bringing justice. And ultimately, he brings justice and healing to situations like that. Mm, Yes, that makes me think of a verse I was actually reading earlier in morning prayer today, uh, which is talking about the cross and in some sense, kind of the upside down ways that God works, right? And when you're talking about God's silence, the fact that he can be I want to say almost mysteriously present in his silence, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> right? And aware and engaged in that way. But in Colossians 2, yeah, being up in verse 13, it says, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Wow. That's in the Bible? Yeah. (laughs) Straight from the Bible. (laughs) I I just was thinking about what what you were saying and what we're reflecting on. Like Jesus, by all accounts, on the cross is the spectacle. Mm. And yet Paul in Colossians is pointing out that, in fact, God is making the powers and authorities the public spectacle. Yeah. That they are actually the ones who end up shamed. Right. Which is actually, I think, in keeping with David's prayer here Mm -hmm. too, right? Mm -hmm. It is a prayer for justice. Right. And that... But I think part of what we learn through Jesus is it often looks different mm. than we might right. expect. There's the fulfillment. Those who mock and those who scorned, mm. they are made to be the fools, the true yep. fool. Maybe the true ones with folly, as we're talking about in right. verse 5. And yet it's done by receiving that fully by God himself, yep. right, on the cross. In that sense, as you say, like really, truly kind of mysteri- mysteriously yeah. present. yeah in ways that we cannot fully comprehend most of the time. Yeah. Right. You know, for me, in such a long psalm, I guess I'm just drawn to like things that get repeated. And I was curious about the word salvation in this psalm. And without doing, you know, a full word study, which I didn't do, I I think what really grabbed me was verse 29. But as for me, afflicted and in pain, may your salvation... It's another standalone verse. Protect me. It is. Yeah, 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 right. Yeah, we've done verse 5 and now verse 29. They stand apart. But I just thought salvation protecting you. There's something expansive in David's vision of salvation, Mm. something more than simply sort of deliverance from hell in the afterlife or something. That you end up in heaven, right? Right. That you end up in heaven. Because because otherwise the prayer doesn't make sense. (laughs) If you're just saying, May this sort of what's gonna happen to me after I die protect me even earlier on he says in your great love O god answer me with your sure salvation well his needs are are present Mm. right he's not simply asking you know forgive me my sins so that i can enter those pearly gates one day and i just thought that's such a helpful helpful and more expansive view it's a reminder that salvation is not just sort of about you know where we go after we die it's a much richer and extensive and it impacts our day to day Mm. it's about being called into a life with god both now and forever Mm. but the now really matters and that david has a sense that the salvation that i'm participating in as sort of one part of god's covenant people impacts the way i relate to you god and impacts the way you relate to me Mm. is really significant and i think you know for those of us who might be tempted to say okay i've kind of got salvation that box checked or for traditions that maybe teach us or incline us in those directions. I think it's a really helpful reminder. Salvation is present to us now, right? It's not just far off and it's not distant. And God's salvation and God's working is active now, not just something he sort of does one time Mm -hmm. and then is done with us. Yeah. Yeah. So that 
not again kind of standing out to me but specifically about right. what god is at work with so god constantly at work in us yeah in times like this that's a you know word of a you know assurance and yeah comfort. And, yeah and i think that's how david's taking it in some sense i mean like you said we don't hear god's response in this and we don't really see the right the outcome other than kind of this doxology at the end yep. which is quite positive but um he's calling on god because he's I think there's some confidence mm. in the God of his salvation. Yeah, I did notice that too. And that was a profound thing too. Like even coupled with, you know, that verse five where he suddenly kind of confesses his a sinner and, you know, you know, all my sins, my, all my shortcomings and yeah. all these things. But that paired with strangely, that kind of confidence in God, mm. like I'm a sinner. And yet, like, I know certain things about you and yeah. about myself and our relationship, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. That's so good. Yeah. Well, that, I mean, you're talking about confidence gets us nicely into our yeah. third question. You're, you haven't lost a beat, Q. Mm. You're just helping us transition seamlessly. Damn. <laughs> How does this psalm <sighs> help us to pray? To pray. I think that was just a simple thing for me. And yet, I think a rather challenging thing to process and live out, which is to, you know, praise him and to give him thanks. Hmm. As David expressed this towards the end of this psalm. Like when I'm wronged, when I'm persecuted, when we go through times like that, I think it kind of shifts our understanding of those times. Like the suffering, persecution, that it's actually could be a time or opportunity for us to, you've already talked about that relationship with God mm. and ongoing, that is ongoing and God at work in us. But to really trust that and be able to, in those times, thank Him and praise Him. Mm. Like, I mean... That's just very challenging, right? Yeah. So, but at the same time, I think even the cursing <laughs> and the laments are yeah. thankfully all part of this song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that's all part of our prayer. But one thing that really stood out to me was praising and thanksgiving because I think I can do the lament and cursing. cursing. <laughs> <laughs> you got that covered. Yeah, that, that part I got it covered. But with giving and thanks for praising and thanksgiving I yeah i hope with that yeah that's so good well the fact that they're all in this psalm i think speaks to the psalm's length yeah right but right. i actually ah. as as i was reading it i think oh there's actually something sometimes to mm. the length of the psalm again to kind of give a little ha head nod to kidner he points to the first opening verses sort of one through four yeah and the ways that David kind of starts off very general and overwhelmed, but then gradually becomes more specific. Mm. So verse one starts, save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. Well, right. we know they're not literal waters, but there's just this sense of overwhelm. Mm -hmm. By the time he's gotten to verse four, he's really naming very concrete, here's the situation. Those who hate me without reason right. outnumber the hairs of my head. And Kidner just points out that, that that is prayer doing its work. It's one of the mm. gifts of sort of processing in prayer mm. and ah, I see what you mean. Okay. in other words or one of the ways that i think this psalm helps us to pray then is it actually reminds us that sometimes we have to give our prayer space mm. to develop and even if you then read on later in yeah. verses like 13 and 16 there's another set of petitions here but now the petitions have in mind god's faithfulness and god's yeah. love and his mercy oh, and that ends in this doxology yeah but he's also had to process through the yeah, cursing yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, in order to get there. To get there. I so love he, that. he's given the, he's given himself space right. to journey through all of this. And so we're in like a very efficiency driven world and yeah. you know, get to the next thing. And I think that can impact our prayer mm -hmm. 
our prayer life for sure where it's like okay i have this one thing to pray about right and here's the way and sort of it's like a one sentence prayer yeah and of course god hears those and there's nothing wrong with those but one way this can remind us of praying is that there can also be depth to a long more space for our prayer and allowing us to kind of move through the the various things we might be feeling around those reminding ourselves of the truths that we know about god as well I think um, there may be people like myself who would, you know, think to ourselves, hey, like, let me process this, you know, a little bit and then make it a prayer. You know oh, what I mean? yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. But rather than that, to your point and to Kittner's point that we can actually process all those things through prayer and then trust that God is listening and hearing. And then that actually becomes part of the work of the spirit in mm. us, right, is alongside us yeah. processing those and helping, helping lead us in prayer in some ways. So. I just thought, yeah, for a longer prayer, that, that's a helpful reminder. Sometimes yeah. <laughs> sometimes giving space, right. allowing our prayers to unfold kind right. of fully and not maybe cutting them off when we, yeah. the, we've hit the request or we've hit the thank you or the gratitude, but allowing, okay, what else right. is kind of stirring in this mm-hmm. prayer? Because even this be really whole healthy. Psalm 69, as I was reading it before our recording here, it felt like I you know, didn't have uh, you know, much clarity about the whole thing but as we talk about it together i think as we process it together Mm. the clarity comes along you know so i think that's my analogy to the yeah yeah yeah. well i'm glad for that yeah hopefully the listeners feel the same i think we're tracking together (laughs) (laughs) whether anyone else is we'll find out well q what a pleasure to have you back in the room very good to be back you didn't try to take over hosting duties you just happily I've, I've humbled myself, <laughs> you know, just be faithful to what, where God has called you. Right? You've, grown, so. <laughs> you've grown so much. You've grown so much. Well, thanks. Thanks for having this conversation. Hey, thanks for inviting me. Let's conclude where the psalm concludes, actually, friends, with these verse 34 through 36. Let heaven and earth praise him, the seas and all that move in them. For God will save Zion and rebuild the cities of Judah. Then people will settle there and possess it. The children of his servants will inherit it and those who love his name will dwell there. Go out and pray the Psalms. Mm